Hey guys, welcome back to the Protect the Nest podcast, your podcast for the New Orleans Pelicans. We're usually 82% basketball, 100% the city, but this week we have a special guest, editor-in-chief over at the Bird Rights, Ali Cassell. Ali, how you doing? I'm doing great, Chris. We're finally talking a lot about basketball because, hey, it's around the corner. So yeah, I'm excited to be on your podcast. Yeah, it is around the corner. It's now less than 30 days away, which... Which it just every day it's going to start ramping up. You have been doing the uh, media day availabilities uh, the last few days. How's that been going? How's the team, I guess, help help logistically so that the media could get access to the players and get those questions in? Yeah, the Pelicans have done a wonderful job during this whole quarantine, really, with being accessible via Zoom. And uh, you know, we've talked to Griff several times, Coach Gentry, but now, of course, with play, everybody's headed to Orlando in less than a week, so. Now we've had a chance to talk to several players over these last few days, and we're going to continue doing that for the next few days as well. And um, everybody's excited. You know, you get the general vibe that we weren't sure what to expect, right, Chris? Before we start talking to, especially the players, but it seems like everybody's genuinely excited about the opportunity, even though they're not sure what they're going to be walking into. But they feel at ease, right? They feel like the NBA is going to be able to protect them enough inside that campus slash bubble, whatever anybody wants to call it, because it's not a true bubble. But then again, it's going to help reduce and eliminate a lot of risk and um and of course in the backdrop of the black lives matter movement so like i said they're all genuinely excited not only to play basketball but also of course push forward with with that uh with the social unrest um messages that need to be put out there so i'm excited if they're excited this just adds to our excitement level because we're probably going to be covering it sounds like the full team i know that what there's three guys that have tested positive coronavirus, but Griff a few days ago seemed confident that everybody's going to be able to make the trip. So knock on wood. Right. It did sound like he's confident everybody on the, I guess, the playing roster is going to make the trip, but maybe not the coaches. That still seems undecided. But the players did say not only that they had his back, but also that the bubble environment might be safer than just hanging out in market. I think it was Josh Hart that said that today or yesterday. When this when this comes out, that that being in the bubble is going to be a safe environment. They've got that planned, and if they're going to be there to play ball, they can use it as a platform. And just going forward, they've got to think about that. It, it, it's bigger than just sitting at home. What else are you going to do? Sit at home. That's why we're so excited. We actually get to do something. And I think you you touched on it pretty well. It's going to be safe for the players as much as logistically possible. Right, and of course that's the key because. We still don't know much about this disease, COVID-19, which stems off, of course, the coronavirus. And um, look, scientists aren't even sure how long herd immunity is, right? I've recently been reading reports where if a person ever gets infected, immunity may only last for a couple of months. And of course, I'm sure at least everybody's heard by now there's some longer-term effects that people suffer. Of course, you can end up in a hospital ventilator, and your life is at risk. So nobody wants to see that scenario. I think that's what a lot of us in leading up to these recent days to where it seems like it's a go that we're worried about, right? We've been constantly thinking about the worst case scenario and how uh, much protection will the Orlando campus have in preventing somebody carrying the virus inside there. So like I said, it seems like everybody's full bore and excited about it because they seem like they feel safe enough. Even Zion, right? I, I was captivated by some of his comments today. And when he's speaking, 
um, that he feels he trusts the NBA. He uses those words. He trusts the NBA, and he feels like he's going to be safeguarded from a lot of situations that outside the bubble you're not going to be. So I agree with that assessment. I think that things will be safer for players than on the outside, especially for the ones that are still trying to live their life, Chris. I don't know how everybody else has been trying to do it, but I myself haven't gone to a restaurant to dine in for four months. I'm not. I'm risk averse. So going to the bubble may actually raise like somebody's uh, percentages like my own. Because really, I, I I just don't venture out there. But there's a lot of people that, of course, don't do that, or cannot do that. Right? Whether they have to work, go take care of somebody else, go pick up some groceries, whatever. But you're right. I think that general feeling is that this is something that everybody's in support of and really i mean let's face it there haven't been too many people that have dropped out and the ones that have like avery bradley trevor reza they're doing it for family reasons not because of pandemic reasons or even that uh, black lives um, matter movement so yeah it looks like the nba's put together a good plan and everybody's willing to give it at least a shot right we're just gonna have to knock on wood that they can get through this because that's going to be the key Everybody's going to be able to get to Orlando, and I'm pretty confident they'll be able to get the game start, but can they get through the entire schedule all the way through the finals of the playoffs? Right, that's going to be tough. Uh, I hope they get there myself. I've watched a little bit of the MLS is back tournament, try to get in the bubble safely, and they've had problems. But let's assume everything goes well and talk a little bit of basketball. I put out an article the other day that looked just at all the plays. I've been promoted on the podcast where I was watching every game with Zion and watching every made basket seeing if it was off a set shot and and whatnot. Towards the end, they were letting Zion play in the J.J. Redick role. They were letting him handle the ball a little bit more. It seemed like this team in, was just becoming more comfortable switching their roles, interchanging. They all knew the plays a little better. That's, that's kind of why the team was having more success in the win-loss column is because they were finally able to let, say, Zion play more than just the Zion role of basketball. He got to play every role in Gentry's offense, and it was finally coming around to it. Yeah, that's something people should know by now, is that Alvin Gentry promotes more freedom than any other coach out there in the league, I think. So in essence, you should be able to play or fit almost any role out there on the court, on both ends of the floor, really. I know that they've made some changes defensively, but offensively, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, these players are all given basically the green light to shoot it when they're open, to make a play. Um, Alvin Gentry loves that kind of trust. You know, he's never been restricted, but he's finally got kind of the roster that he can do this with. And that's why I think we've seen so much success, especially with Zion. You know, they're such a potent lineup. I know, Chris, you know that, but for people that don't know, there's so many players that can give you at least 15 points any given night. So that's why, especially in preseason, when they had Zion, who was healthy before the injury, you saw just the capabilities on offense, what they could do, because they were averaging right around, I think, 120 points. And the defense was terrible, but you know what? They won every game simply because the offense was that unstoppable. So I'm honestly looking for something similar here in Orlando. You know, you, you, we should all expect the rust with the chemistry. So there's going to be the turnovers. Players are going to find themselves a little bit out of tune. But you know what? No one's has operated at that level all season, I feel like. You know, turnovers have always been high. So I feel like that's actually a benefit to the Pelicans. I've been saying this since, you know, we first learned there was going to be a restart of the season that this bubble is going to favor them because they play in the chaotic environment. They, they like the chaos to where they can push the ball as much as they want, and they're willing to live with those turnovers. You know, Alvin doesn't suddenly have four or five turnovers suddenly say, hey, let's slow it down, like maybe Quinn Schneider over with the Utah Jazz. No, he gives them the green light for full 48 minutes. So 
with that, you expect the Pelicans to kind of be at that same level, right? You don't expect so many turnovers to really jump up or increase in these upcoming eight games. But the rest of the league, I think it's going to be a problem for them. So suddenly they're going to be creating more turnovers because it's going to be like the start of a new, brand new regular season. So they're going to be more uncomfortable. And that uncomfortableness is going to hurt them more than the Pels. So that's just one of the advantages. You, we just talked about the Pelicans' offense, just how much fire that they can breathe. And, of course, Zion, yeah, he got comfortable. He did get more comfortable. And one of my favorite takeaways from all these Zoots meetings so far has been that Griff actually went out on a ledge. And he didn't have to. But he went out there and said basically to the effect that Zion has improved in both the ball handling and shooting departments. If, if that's at all remotely true, then wow, yeah, that's even going to open up things that much more. And boy, I can't wait to watch. Right, that was one of the things I tweeted out during the games when Zion was ramping up for his comeback was how much he focused during shoot around on just handling drills. So I'm expecting Zion to be able to handle the ball a lot more in this offense. You're right, the chaos is going to play to the advantage of the Pelicans. I don't think playoff basketball this season in Orlando is going to look like playoff basketball of seasons past where it slows down. But it, it's going to be interesting to see where this roster goes forward because Griffith said he's not going to put too much into the bubble performances. You know, it's going to be too much randomness. But going forward, you, you are the editor at Bird Rights, but you helped pick out something that was wrong in my article today. In a couple of seasons, the Pelicans only have four players on the roster uh, under contract. So how do they go forward now? Obviously, I think we all agree Ingram gets the max. I've asked everybody that, but this is your first time in the nest. Are are you on board with at least 90, 95% of the max to Ingram? 100. Just go ahead and put me for 100. I've heard like month and a half, two months in, he was going to get the max. Right. I'm saying offer him the 100 right up front as well, but maybe David Griffin and them have – uh, some sort of reservations or maybe a plan. With- you got to think those went away though, right? I know that as you should know, as I'm sure you know, the biggest key was can Ingram prove that he's healthy and over those blood clot issues? Because both parties remember they didn't want to sign or really even pull forth too much talk into an extension, signing something last summer. Just because everybody wanted to just to basically see how it would react. Ingram wanted to make sure, hey, if I'm healthy, I'm going to get them my money. So I just feel like they, what, what's he was on the court what, just for a month, right? We saw those all-star numbers, the improvement, plus the health. I, I feel like that's when the decision was made that it's a shoe-in deal. At least that's what I've kind of been told. Right, but I, I'm saying maybe with COVID, they walk in as a package deal. You tell Ingram and Lonzo Ball, hey, look, if we can give you both 100%, we'll do it. If that's what you want, we'll do it. But if you both take, say, 92%, we can also keep favors for a year and keep Hart for three more years. And maybe that's just part of the team culture, maybe part of the financial realities of the salary cap going down. We, it, I'm not familiar with those conversations. I don't think anybody is except the players, their agents, and David Griffith, the front office. But that that's a reality I think the team has to look at, even though it may upset one of the players in the short term. Long term, it's got to be, I guess, looking out for the shareholders of this team for the future. to where he's going to have to talk and ask players to make certain concessions, especially in regards to salary. But I don't think we're there yet. I think when you just look at New Orleans' history and the fact that, you know, this season they had that 6-22 start through the game losing streak. So if I'm any, kind, any player's agent, I'm not telling them to make any kind of sacrifices for until I know this is a true championship contender. We know the talents there. We know how good this potential of this team is. But... And they, they still need to kind of prove that to get to that next level, that next step. So 
I don't foresee, like I said, those concessions being made. I think that, you know, Ingram's going to get that max this summer. I, I'm fully expecting Alonzo to ask for it next summer. I don't think an extension is going to get done with him um, any time in October when free agency opens up. But the biggest stumbling block to all of this, though, if we want to talk about salary and the potential for needing to make amendments, I think it's, you know, Drew's, Drew Holiday's contract. Right now, of course, they have the bird rights to bring Derek Favors back. They can pretty much bring back the entire team that they have, right, because they own a lot of the important bird rights or can sign extensions to like a Josh Hart or Monzo right now. But Drew Holiday, if he was to stay with this team long term and kind of want to stay at this kind of salary, that's where I think the biggest, you know, obvious obstacle is currently for this young group growing up. It's going to be interesting to see how Griff handles him because you know he's well-liked in that locker room, how he is really one of the faces of the franchise. And we'll, we'll continue to be so once these younger guys get better and better. But still, we know New Orleans loves Drew Holiday. And like I said, that two-way ability, that quiet leadership, it is so valued by everybody in the organization. Will they opt and keep him regardless of salary or will they be – forced to, you know, make a move. I think, like I said, that's my biggest question over this next year, year and a half. What will, where will Drew Holiday basically end up? Right. It's going to come down. If I'm a player, I'm watching to see how they treat Drew Holiday to see if I give a yes. concession. If they don't concede a few things to Drew, I don't concede anything to the team. And then you get, I mean, that's just the business. Then the franchise is just the business. Maybe some of that chemistry, the aurora, or lure of that locker room goes away and Zion's youthfulness can no longer overwhelm it because he's not a teenager anymore. We just ha- heard that birthday talk during the media session as well. Does he so, look like a teenager? <laughs> no, not one I would want to try and tackle or stop from getting to the room. Chris, let's talk about that real quick. How good did he look? You know, we have been hearing reports. We saw kind of glimpses of him doing videos. But, boy, that one picture alone, doesn't that say so much about what he's been up to, you know, during this whole quarantine? Well, just the fact that he got an exemption to work out in the facility and he used that opportunity to to look like that says that he's been there a lot. It says that the guys in the facility are really investing their time into, one, making sure it's clean and sanitary. The COVID regulations are all there for the rest of the team when they come in. Making sure Zion's ready. Just showing how much, I think that it, it shows how much it's been changed in the last couple of years with Aaron Nelson coming in and just taking over that program. I feel like this will end up being the best move of David Griffin's tenure. If everything works out, if they're able to keep largely the players healthy, especially Zion, on the floor way more times than not, Aaron Nelson is going to be looked upon as as kind of like the savior in making it happen. Because, look, we know the history here in New Orleans, and you see it around the league about all these teams that suffer through injuries. But Aaron Nelson had a heck of a you know track record with Phoenix, and if he can remotely copy that, here in New Orleans, like I said, that's going to be the biggest key and for, for, for New Orleans' future success, but only that, to keep fans healthy, to keep these players' careers going, because, you know, Zion, he is a freak. He's, you know, came in the league weighing 280 pounds, being able to jump 45 inches. Nobody's been able to ever do that, right? So there, the scare and the legitimate threat of injury was there. So, yeah, Aaron Nelson, I don't think we can talk about him enough, and I don't think people do, so I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah, I think for return on investment, that might be the best contract he signed because, I mean, going back to what you said earlier, we've got ninth to 12th men like Frank Jackson that on a, any given night, they can post 15, 20 points. You know, if they get hot, they hit a couple shots, they get a little extra run, they, they can really go off. So keeping this team together, David Griffith will have, I guess, be able to, to negotiate from a position to leverage with other teams because he has so many draft picks, so many assets, such a deep roster. 
and I'm I'm envious for the team having that much talent, but I'm glad that they're paying David Griffith the big bucks to make them decisions because the one wrong move and you upset not only the locker room but the fan base. And right now, with there not being fans in the in the stadium, I think it's going to be a lot more of a fickle nature with the with, with just sports in general, and more teams are going to look at protecting their image more. We've seen that recently too. curious for me to see is how many people latch on to certain other teams because you know in the past you could really just idolize your own home team go see them support them but now everybody's going to be on tv that's the only access that pretty much almost everybody is going to have including a lot of media so i'm real interested to see how this experiment plays out and i think everything's going to be honestly to the benefit of the pelicans i mean they're, they're already being talked about especially featured in these upcoming eight games because of zion because these are going to be the most important games. So when you combine all that, yeah, it just looks like nothing but a bright, positive thing for New Orleans and, and their future. Right, and looking at the Orlando bubble and just being TV, people jumping teams, or people maybe adopting a team because they're just now getting into basketball. Pelicans will have a lot of, not bandwagon fans, but maybe new fans come along. And we've seen this week there was some news about the Zatarans patch going away. Uh, me and Fletcher Mackle have been talking about this gold jersey we've been hearing about that'll have the city flag on it. What do you want to see from the team as far as a visual presentation on the court? Uh, any changes to the court? Maybe new jerseys, jersey ideas that you just kind of wanted to see? Pretty much when I first got on Twitter, I remember saying New, new Orleans Pelicans needed a uh, New Orleans Hornets, I should say, needed a better image. So they did update that right when Tom Benson bought the team, changed the name, changed the color schemes and such. But I always felt like there was still something lacking in tying it a little more closely to the city. And I thought, why not go ahead and play off some of the same success? So I've been always personally all for seeing, you know, black and gold type of uniform. Um, I don't know which one I would make that, but they've got to at least have one edition of it somewhere for some things. And um, you combine that with, you know, the uh, couple of jerseys that people already like, I think they're well on their way to having just their own identity, right? People have loved the uh, Mardi Gras jerseys. If, if some version of that could become a permanent home jersey that I know Fletcher and others have been calling for, I think that would be fantastic too. But in general, yeah, they still they can still work on that image, you know? And, and I think that a lot of people also want to see changes, Chris, to the arena itself, right? The experience. They changed the music, the entertainment, not that long ago. What was it, a year or two ago now? And uh, people have loved that. But like I said, they still got to update the insides. It's a great video board they have. But as far as the seating and stuff, and, and from what I understand, I think that's probably going to be in the works. So they're all moving in the right direction. It just takes time. But, yeah, th this organization from top to bottom is headed to a great place. You know, you can't talk enough about the investment that Gail Benson made in this franchise with not only just hiring David Griffin but everything else and you're, we're probably going to see it come to fruition in a couple of years times very tough times and it probably will coincide right with the Pelicans being a really good team hopefully a consistent playoff team so knock on wood like I said this is something any fan of basketball the NBA here in New Orleans has wanted ever since they first arrived in 2002 and I think we're right on the doorstep of it see I think with the Pelicans wanting their own identity I'm just not even knowing that, I'm kind of against some of the, I guess, Fletcher tweeted out the swapping of the jerseys. One looks like too much of the Rams colors on the Eagles for Philadelphia for the, you know, the Saints-Pelicans mashup. And the other one looked a little bit too much like the Raptors, too much of like the We the North black and wine that they had. 
maybe if they did like a Black Lives Matter, Black History Month, but that would be something that the NBA would do for for the whole league. But I think we'll start seeing that. You'll see you'll see more outreach. They said we're going to see different names on the back of jerseys. We'll see word marks on the court. Uh, how do you how do you see that maybe helping promote the positivity that players want to see as far as change? And how much will the NBA have to toe that line that it's not just empty marketing like the NFL's experience? Oh, well, I, I think the Pelicans are in the driver's seat. They've got the most exciting young face in the game. And then you combine that with Lonzo and Brandon Ingram. There's not a more inviting young core trio under the age of 25 in the game. And like I said, you start having some success and everything else in the organization is on the up and up, which it is. I, I, I foresee that the Pelicans is becoming one of the better, more um, – what, what am I trying to say here? One of the most store-bought type of jerseys out there, right? For being a small market, what are they, 50 years, I think, in the country in terms of population, they're easily going to be inside the top 10, I'm thinking, for the next decade. And how high they do go up will probably directly be tied to their success, more so than how a jersey looks. But again, I'm expecting for people all across this country to start wearing all sorts of Pelicans gear. So I think all of this is going to be something that we've never experienced here before in New Orleans. And the NBA, I think, is already realizing that. And, of course, ESPN. That's why, you know, Chris Zion was slated to be on, what, 1920 uh, big national televised games last season. Now he's being featured as one of the biggest faces for this uh, Orlando restart. Right, and they have the Pelicans on TV seven of eight times. The eighth game will be on uh, League Pass. And oh, it's a seven. I, I remember we've seen it was six. But, yeah, six or seven is still more than almost anybody else. <laughs> right, and that, that'll be the, the norm going forward. As long as Zion's here, we'll be on national television. Uh, but we, that, that's yeah, just... One thing we got to mention, though, Chris, is how much do we still love to our local broadcast, right? Whenever I have the choice of watching Fox Sports and Joel Myers and Antonio Daniels and Jen Hale, and, of course, all the guys inside studio, like Aaron Hardigan, I, prefer, I always offer them over ESPN TNT. <laughs> right. I have to throw that out there. I opted for them years before I was ever brought down in New Orleans to report on the team or given any kind of access. I would rather watch the local broadcast over the national broadcast. Now that I'm in the building and see how nice, affable, and friendly these people are, there's no doubt that I would go to the local broadcast over the national broadcast any day of the week. Pelicans have hit a home run, I feel like, with both on their TV side with Fox Sports and, of course, all their radio personnel, you know. Genuinely, like every single person I know and I've met, they're, they're genuine people and they do such a good job. You know, I, I, the lack of bias is what surprises me. When you watch anybody else, especially, of course, on NBA League Pass, I mean, uh, the amount of, let's say, one-sidedness you get from Tommy Heinsohn over in Boston or, you know, out in uh, somewhere on the West Coast, it's pretty daggone obvious. It's so refreshing that you don't get that here in New Orleans, and, and I just simply love that more than anything. Right, and it was a bit of a change in the building. I'll bring this up, uh, you know, when Carly passed, and y'all started a scholarship fund. We've got a scholarship fund up at Northwestern State. In uh, these last 10 minutes, I've only got two questions. I would want to know more about what y'all are doing with y'all scholarship fund over at the Bird Rights, because... It, we got to use the platform to try and give to give that information out to the people. Would you give us, I guess, background on how yeah, that's I'll going? Give you a quick one, because Preston's the guy that really asked about that. But I do know that through our um, armchair, our production for the for the podcast, we've had some uh, people either donate 
make money and or we've raised enough money through basically just just the podcast right advertising dollars and making several scholarships available i think we're up to either two or four i can't remember which but of five hundred dollars to any uh black person um and also we're looking for females to basically just give a, a scholarship and it doesn't mean that you have to go to school for it for college but it has to be somehow towards your professional goals and, and career so i think it's a great thing and you're right we should everybody should if they have the ability to promote and to push forth and what's been long needed in this country and that of course is make everybody equal give everybody a fair chance and you know we're just trying to do our small part and and, and- I would say I appreciate it from where I'm coming from on my end on the efforts I've tried to put forth in the community. David Grubb knows we, I'm trying to give some stuff away, but seeing more and more of that evolve organically in New Orleans, especially through the, the sports writing media, I think will help, you know, it, rising tide lifts all boats. It'll help all of us in the end. Yeah, there's no doubt. Everybody, this country needs to get to a better place, and it's never been more unmasked and revealed to the entire society than it has this season, right? So many different problems, such, you know, once-in-a-lifetime type of things have all come to a head at the same time. So I, I can't wait for everybody to hopefully move on healthy and on just better footing from where, you know, before this all started. You know, that just, that's what every person I feel like should want for. And it's a shame there's still, you know, disagreements about the most basic things, whether involving pandemic, uh, social justice, and, and such. But I think we'll get there. There's enough people that are flipping their opinions, including some very prominent athletes like Drew Brees, right, are taking different stances and approaches. And like I said, I think this is all pointing to somewhere we're finally actually going to move forward, right? It's such such a big movement with everything that you, you feel confident in hopefully getting there soon. Because everybody's talking about now doing action. I think that's the biggest key, and that's what the NBA and all these players are saying. It's great to wear, you know, a certain shirt, to kneel down, to basically acknowledge Black Lives Matter movement. But you need to do more. And like I said, I feel like through all of our actions, we're going to get there. Right. I, I think we will we'll get there. I, I think as long as we keep striving for that, we'll get there. Uh, to switch it to a lighter note for the end, you had mentioned a level and fair playing field. There's nothing like that, uh, like a golf course or a basketball hoop, because, you know, if you shoot a basketball, the ball in the rim does not care if you're a white, black man or woman. It only cares if the ball went through the hoop, it, that sort of thing. And to twist it to golf, uh, Josh Hart's been tweeting out his golf game lately. He had played with J.J. Reddick, right? And then, uh, well, he mentioned he hits the ball. He's not sure if he's playing golf. But then he also mentioned J.J. Reddick being 40. On a lighter note, did you see that exchange? And do you think those sorts of exchanges give us a hint that the locker room is a little bit more lighthearted than maybe some other working environments that we're used to during this coronavirus pandemic? so many years when Anthony Davis was here and a lot of the next tier guys around him were very quiet introverts. You know, you couldn't get these guys to get on social media, let alone like publicly rip one another. Kind of like the way JJ Reddick did with Zion, you know, back last summer where he said, you know, basically the effect, don't screw this up for me. Right. In terms of JJ's uh, playoff streak, which is 13 seasons. So it's still alive, but it's fun to see what you're just mentioning. Yeah, Josh Hart and JJ, they went and played golf, just for people that don't know, uh, yesterday. 
And so today, Josh Hart was asked something. I forget what the question was exactly, but he pointed. He was talking about how I'm not really a veteran yet. I mean, I'm only 25. Don't put me in a class with like JJ Redick, who's what 40. You know, and, and all of us know that he's joking. I hope everybody knows that he's joking. But it's a great example of honestly, as you mentioned, just how light, carefree, but I think also how close this locker room is. And I'm all for it. You know, as I mentioned, years past, we haven't really had that feeling, that sensation. It seems like this is going to be the lightest locker room I've ever been around, and I think that's great. It makes for better stories. You get to see these truer personalities shine, and I think it provides for better camaraderie amongst the team. So let's hope that all carries over, right, to Orlando, where they're going to be forced in such a cocoon where they're really going to be looking at each other's faces and nobody else's for, for, for weeks that somehow this pays off. Right. Hopefully it pays off. Uh, tell the people how they can pay you off, how they can find you, how they can find your work, and what you're up to, and then we'll let you get out with your 4th of July weekend. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Chris. Yeah, you, you, you guys know where you can catch us over at SB Nation. It's all one word, www.thebirdrights.com. we got something for you guys fresh every day, whether it's a podcast or an article. So, yeah, check us out. All right, well, Ollie, thanks for having uh, the time to come on with us. I hope we see you around in the next few weeks. Hope we catch you at the court once we have that open day for the for the open run. And yeah, enjoy your weekend, brother. Appreciate you. Absolutely, man. Same to you and everybody else. Have a good fourth.